from Relay FM. This is Connected, episode number 146. Today's show is brought to you by Encapsula, Squarespace, and Storyworth. My name is Mike Early. I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Ciao, Federico. Ciao, Mike. How are you? I am very well. I am very well indeed. And Mr. Stephen Hackett, how are you, sir? I am good. It's sad to be apart. I know. Yeah. We've, been, we've been torn apart. By our regular lives coming in and disrupting everything. But it's okay. Why don't we just go back to California and pretend it's WWC every week? That could work. (laughs) We could just start walking to to convention centers, uh, shake people's hands. (laughs) Hi, nice to meet you. Hey, are you here for the Apple event? There's no Apple event. This is a Cisco conference. Why are you here? Walk around with connected stickers, (laughs) handing them out. Be like, thank you so much for listening. (laughs) To what? (laughs) What? Imagine that. We look like crazy people. That wouldn't last. So yeah, back to regular life, I guess. Yeah. But uh, we should say a big thank you. If you're a listener and came to one of our events, or if you said hi on the sidewalk, or if you're waiting outside Mike's hotel room creepily, um, I think I speak for all of us that it was an incredible week. It was the least stressful slash most enjoyable WBC I think I've ever been to. And that is in no small part to the listeners. So uh, it really was a special week for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, what is this, my fifth? I think this is my fifth WWDC. And this is without a doubt the best one. Like, it just keeps getting better and better every year. And as you say, I think in part of that, it's because of the time that we get to spend with people that enjoy what we do. Um, That makes it really, really special. And attending the meetups and and hosting meetups that we did and getting getting to talk to people, talk about what they're excited about for the week is really what what makes it all worth it and and makes it so much fun to attend every time. Um, I obviously, in my style, uh, I was vlogging uh, during the conference and have posted that vlog now. So if you would like to see it, I will put a link in the show notes and you can go and watch my vlog and Stephen and Federico are in it. So what more could you mm-hmm. want? Mm-hmm. It really was an awesome week. Uh, I felt like we got, like thinking about it now, I felt like we got what we were looking for. Like there was a little bit of everything for everyone, uh, which was great. Uh, even Steven was happy, uh, at least I think. Um, yeah. So, I, mm. you know, definitely, definitely, especially compared to last year with, you know, iOS 10, we were kind of sad, Mike and I, about the iPad that mm-hmm. we didn't get a lot of a lot of love. Uh, we got a message and stickers, which was great, but, you know, it feels like this year it's the year of payback. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy to be back and installing the betas on everything. So, yeah, uh, double thumbs up. Yeah, I think uh, we talked about this on the show last week, I think, but I think every part of the Apple community like got a win at WBC, right? If you're iPad only or if you're Mac only or you're like most of us kind of, you know, in both worlds, like all their platforms, at least the two major ones, got significant improvements and improvements that the community wanted. It almost is like Apple was really like uh, bent on trying to please the the biggest number of people. And I think they succeeded in that. I think that's that's one reason like – you know, things feel pretty good, and and the community's excited. I think developers are excited, but not overwhelmed. I think I think Apple did did everything right this year. They did. Uh, I, that's the perfect way to to talk about it. It's the perfect way to to like kind of encapsulate what happened last week. Everyone got something, right? Like Apple 
we're talking about products that aren't going to be out until the end of the year because they want to make sure that everybody gets the thing that they're excited about, right? If you wanted the speaker, yeah. you got the speaker. If you wanted to know that it was more uh, Mac hardware coming, well, you got told about that, right? Like there was there was a bit of everything for everyone, and I think that's what made it so much fun. Agreed. So we have um, kind of two sections of follow-up. We're going to do traditional follow-up first, and then we're going to move into what I dubbed follow-up WDC edition, some stuff from the keynote and details. Did that- you dub the follow-up dub follow-up dub dub follow-up? This is n- non-traditional follow-up. I feel like we actually got through all of WWDC this year. I didn't hear dub dub at any point. I did hear dub dub. Oh, you did? Well, you so, were in the convention center. I think that that is the, like the, the like, yeah, epicenter yeah. of dub dub usage. Do you think it's a f- accepted to, to, to use it inside the convention center? It shouldn't be, but I think people <laughs> do it anyway. Those renegades, those dub dub renegades. I mean, it's better anyway than hearing San Fran or uh, Frisco or, mm-hmm. you know, those other names for the city. So. Uh, That's I, a good point. I think, you know, I think Dub Dub can pass compared to that. Yeah. So, traditional follow up. Okay. You can now, not just the two of you, everyone can block calls and messages on the Amazon Echo. So, if you remember when they had that big software update, now maybe a month ago or so, when they added for some reason <laughs> messaging to the Echo, so you could. Do it via text or voice and send that message to any other Echo user. You had to upload your contact book to Amazon. And once you did that, then you could send things around. This was a feature that was lacking. There was no way to block or manage people who could contact you. They have since resolved that, which I think is good. Uh, Apparently, if you want to completely disable the service, you have to call Amazon's customer service. So even with this update, it's just a matter of, hey, you know, Mike keeps sending me weird messages in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Just block Mike. Wish you would stop doing that. It, this is like a good step. I'd like to see them be able to turn off altogether. But at the same time, I'm not sure anyone's actually using this. I send a few as a joke to people, but it, I haven't received one or sent one since like the first day. This was my point when they announced it, right? And talking about the Echo Show. Nobody needs this. People already have their ways of communicating with each other. Amazon does not need to come into the game with their fantastic messaging service. It's not a thing that people need. And, you know, I also, I don't even think that this is something that people want on their Echo devices, right? Like, this isn't a thing that anybody asked for when they signed up for these things. Like, I just don't, I just don't get, I don't get it. I don't get the, the the messaging service. Something I am excited about, which I don't think is on my Echo yet, but is out for the US and is coming very shortly for the UK and Germany. Apparently, in the coming weeks, it was it was posted at the beginning of June, but we missed it in WWDC. You can now uh, on your Echo when talking to the uh, canister person. You can name timers, and this is something that I've wanted for so long. So, for example, if you're cooking, you can set a five-minute timer for potatoes and a 10-minute timer for steak. Do not follow those instructions, by the way. That is not good cooking times for those things. No, this is a cooking show now. It's fine. you uh, You can now name the timers and also set reminders. This is a new feature in the Echo stuff. That's really nice. And they added iCloud calendar support. They did. So they, Yeah. So they, they Amazon continues to push this thing forward, and 
the I think that's all great stuff. Uh, we I wanted to touch on this briefly. We mentioned it in passing last week, but both Federico and I have Echo shows on the way, and I for one have not canceled my order. I uh, I have. I'm sorry. You did? Why? Yeah, because I got I because I got the Google Home and. Oh yeah, uh, nobody knows this yet. You bought a Google Home at the Google campus. Yeah, I did, and it just it just it just like I was setting up and I was playing with it, and I just, just felt like too much having yet another one. Are you not allowed it, Federico? Have you been told you're not allowed to bring any more voice boxes I mean, into the house? You kinda, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <And> yeah so, <laughs> like enough is enough. I was in the car when you were telling Sylvia about the Google Home, and it and it seemed like a little bit of a discussion had to occur about the fact that you were bringing another. No, she, she actually likes that one, but uh, because it, you know it's more compact and you know design wise, uh, I think it, it looks more it looks more uh, kitcheny than <laughs> the than the Amazon one. So. Um, yeah, it just it just felt like I didn't want to get another one, and you know, uh, I mean, basically, I have like four speakers at this point, and then I will get the Apple one eventually. So, I uh, I wanted to try it, and I'm gonna miss the, the you know the the feeling of this is a new toy, and I'm gonna play with it, but mm-hmm. whatever. Well, Steven, it's all on you now. I know. I feel like I'm obligated like. to keep my order now. You have to. Yeah. One of us has yeah. to. Yeah, I'm I'm ex- I'm still excited by it. You know, I I don't think it's going to live in my kitchen, but it may live out here in the in the studio. Yeah, I just want to see what the you know, if Apple says these things should have screens, Amazon says at least some of these things should have screens. I want to see what that adds to the experience. Whether it sticks or not, who knows, but mine is still still in pre-order. Should we move on, Mike? I think the next one is really exciting uh for you. You put it in, it seems like something mm-hmm. that you would love. So What's next? <laughs> so Slick Wraps, which is one of these companies that creates decals, they have made in the past um, Apple Pencil skins, and I own one. I own one of, I think they're Crayola ones, which is really fun. However, they have just created a new thing, a new custom print option to create your own wraps, your own decals for the Apple Pencil. So you submit a design and they will print it and send it to you for just eight dollars and forty two cents, which is a, which is really quite cheap. I think I was surprised about the price of that. Right, that you can just custom print your own decal and they'll send it to you for under ten bucks. So I am currently working with our wonderful designer, <laughs> Mister Forgotten Tal, uh, oh, yeah. to create my own uh, pencil brand. And get that printed and sent to me. So I'm gonna make something that looks like a pencil, but it's gonna be Mike branded. You're all you're all about branding, Mike. And, well, I and... just figured. Look, it's eight. It's eight dollars, right? Like it's so cheap. Can you know? Like, well, okay, it's not like no money, but it's way cheaper than I would think that a custom printed sticker would be in this type. Like when you're just doing a one-off. So I mean, I'm excited to try it out because I have the I've had one of those skins and I'm really happy with the quality. So. I am excited to uh, to get my mm. own Mike branded Apple pencil. Well, what do you mean, Mike branded? It's gonna be like your face uh, all around the the sticker. We're, the, currently, we're working on a classic wood pencil design, but mm. instead of it saying like Palomino or whatever, it will be a, a brand which is mine. So it will say like Mike something or something. We're working on it, but it's basically gonna be. It will look like a pencil. 
but it will be one that we made. And as Kyle suggested, which I didn't think of, that it should say Mike was right in it, I definitely think it should. I'm now going to tell that to Frank so he can put it on there. Wow. Okay. This is how it begins. There'll be a whole mic store before long. Yep. Yeah. We should mention, do you want to talk about the AirPod stickers? Sure. We had some stickers at our live events that m- turn your AirPod case into a dental floss case that Frank did. Uh, I will put a picture of them in the show notes. There are 200 of them that are going to go on the Relay retail store very soon. Like They should be up maybe even by the time the next episode is out. It is... There are only 200 of them. We're not doing them again. It's a one-time thing. And if you want one, there'll be uh, there'll be a link uh, up on the Twitter account probably as soon as they're available. I think they look awesome. They also I think cool. everybody else uh, thought they looked awesome. So if you were interested in this, uh, I would act quickly when they go on sale because, like I said, it's a one-time thing. Yeah, so keep your eye, keep your eye on the uh, underscore Relay FM Twitter account. And uh, we'll be tweeting mm-hmm. it when they go up. But yeah, I we've had a lot of people asking about them because people have been sharing pictures. So yeah, they will be available shortly, and they are really cool. So uh, up next in the traditional follow up, we spoke a while ago about HomeKit security cameras and home cameras. Uh, I've got a Nest Cam. It doesn't talk to anything except Nest the Nest app. But there have been a few that come out. Uh, Federico, which one do you own? Do you know the Logitech have one? The, no, I have the D-Link camera. That's right. Uh, Logitech has announced this morning the Circle 2, which is a... It's actually like a... I think it's one cam- one camera, but they have different mounting options for it. Uh, it's HomeKit compatible. They have uh, options that like it goes straight into a wall outlet. They have a window mount. They have one that runs on a battery. They have one that's weatherproof. And uh, they start at 179 uh, bucks you can get them you get a wire, uh, a wireless one for 200 uh, they ship in July but they're available for pre-order now and these are home kit enabled security cameras uh, I, I I don't know if they work with the uh, the Amazon service I haven't actually looked at that yet but if you want home cameras that work with home kit which I do like I, I'm in, increasingly frustrated that my nest stuff is an island. Uh, this looks like a really nice option, and uh, so there'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, Mac Rumors wrote it up with all the the details to it. So I can confirm that it does work with Amazon too. It does. Yep. So that's uh, that'll be tempting. Um, I you know we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Federico's. I really like having like cameras set set up at the house. You know, I've mm-hmm. got a couple, and it's nice just to be able to check in and see. Uh, I've got a canary as well as I know, Mike, you do too. And we both like our canaries, but like the Nest Cam, the canary is kind of its own deal. They have promised a version two with HomeKit support, but that is is yet to surface. Uh, at this point, they're in their own app. But if you want something that's extensible a little bit, then the Logitech looks like a good option. I really like the one that just goes straight into the plug socket. I think that's a really smart design. Right, so like the, it, you just plug it in and it stays there. You don't need to mount it. You, you don't need to find somewhere to put it. It's just it's held up by the fact that it's plugged in. I think that's a really, really unique and kind of cool design. I, I like that one a lot, actually. Yeah, so a lot of people mm-hmm. have like uh, have outlets like on a porch or a garage that may be in the ceiling. I know my garage, I have a ton of them. It's to hang, you know, put lights up. And 
So if I wanted one in my garage, I could just plug it into the outlet and, you know, and it'd it be uh, secure there. So lots of mounting options. I really like the option they have to like stick it to a window, which is pretty clever. You know, a lot of times you, you want a camera somewhere and you have difficulty mounting it. And it looks like Logitech has thought through a lot of that, which is uh, which is pretty neat. I should say the Nest has an outdoor cam, and I, I put one up for somebody else, and it has a mount, and then the camera attached to the mount mag- magnetically, so you could like uh, pitch the camera at different angles. But this looks a, even a little more flexible than that. So, do you know if up. it has like one of those subscription services or something like to keep the information? So uh, I believe that it has oh i'm looking like at a, it right now i'm on their website circle okay. free is one day circle safe basic it keeps it for 14 days and circle safe premium is 31 days and they're just different tiers the different pricing tiers so yeah yeah one is sort of free one that's 2.99 a month per camera and then 7.99 per month per camera so it's not too bad, mm-hmm. like the three three pounds a month or it'd probably be some similar in dollars i'm looking at the uk website so it's you know it's not a lot of money right like three pounds a month is pretty good i think that's relatively comparable to what i'm paying for the canary i think so um, i like it i like the look of it yeah i'm probably gonna get the the wire last one with the battery says it lasts uh three months seems very compact it's not available on the italian apple store but the italian logitech website has it for available today um yeah, there's the wireless version. This is very nice, actually. This is going to be yeah. a tale of happiness and a tale of woe for Logitech this episode. That is a teaser for later on in the show. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, what I, I, I'm really interested to see what happens when you add multiple cameras to HomeKit. Because right now, I, I just assume they're going to be multiple camera views. Uh, ideally, I, I would love to have like a single camera screen with multiple angles for yeah. different cameras in different rooms. I don't think that's going to happen. It would be really interesting to see what would happen with multiple cameras from multiple vendors, right? Yeah, that also. I mean, yeah. I, I assume that as long as it just talks to HomeKit and you're going to go into the Home app and you will get just basically two panels for two cameras and mm-hmm. that's it. Like you say one in the living room and the other in the bedroom and there's no like fancy uh, unified screen for multiple camera angles but you know that works as long as you you know we've been using the the omna so much because uh it it, it's basically real time Uh, whereas with the canary there's like a 20 second uh 30 second delay Mm -hmm. when we access uh you know the the live view with HomeKit because we have the apple tv plug plugged down all the time and connected to wi-fi which is the only use of our apple tv so far as the remote HomeKit hub um when we want to check on our dogs it's basically real time. There's not even a once, I would say a one second delay, which is more than acceptable. So I'm probably going to get this other one, especially the wireless, because it, uh, it lets us place it wherever we want to put it. And because the dogs won't have cables to chew on. So yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, lastly, in traditional follow-up, is an item that I did not expect to be talking about this week. And there's a lot more to unpack here, but we wanted to mention it. There's an article in Bloomberg, and we also have a link to TechCrunch, which sort of summarizes the Bloomberg article. Tim Cook is out talking about the car system. And I say system because that is the word that he uses, uh, that they are focusing on an autonomous system. 
He calls it the mother of AI projects, which is a, a turn of phrase that is super Apple executive-like. Mm. Uh, he says it's probably one of the most difficult AI, AI projects to work on. Uh, the TechCrunch article, again, summing it up, says that this still still is kind of open-ended. To, uh, again, to quote Tim Cook, we're not really saying from a product point of view what we will do. So it's still unclear if this is a system they're going to sell to car manufacturers, if this is some sort of ride-hailing service they're building for somebody, or if they're going to actually sell a car. My Apple may not know at this point, but Tim Cook's out there talking about it, which is, of course is a huge break from a company that generally doesn't talk about things they're doing yet. Uh, but you know, this has been in the news for so long, maybe they just want to con- start controlling the story a little bit. Uh, for whatever reason, but but there you go, Tim Cook out talking about the uh, Project Titan, like there's no tomorrow. I don't even know what to say about this. It's so weird, right? Like I just I I need to think about it more. Like it, this this news came out just before we recorded. It's just so strange to me that he's like, yeah, no, we're doing we're, we're doing something. Like don't you know? Like it's it's so. It, I feel like he said this kind of thing before, but it's so out of place that I f- keep forgetting. Tim Cook has acknowledged that they're working on something like this. Just it's just such a very it's just a very, very strange thing to hear him talk this way, you know, to be like, Yeah, no, we're working on this and we think this is really interesting. No big deal, yeah, we're working on car software. So I what's your problem? Of course we are. Like yeah. whatever. He went on the record saying, like, yeah, whatever, it's car software. <laughs> it does it's just so so out of place because why is he doing this right now? I don't I don't get it. Yeah, I mean it, it could be that, you know, they're seeking to obtain more, like, um, approvals from regulators. Yeah. So they just want to, you know, make it less weird. Right, control the story a little bit more. Yeah, and the Apple name came out a bunch of times already. Uh, or maybe they just need to justify that a bunch of employees are moving in different office spaces. I don't know. Or maybe just a way to say, yeah, I mean, enough with the rumors. We're working on this. Just it's going to take a while. And basically, yeah, whatever. Uh Seems to be the approach. Like, it, it, there's a, a few quotes from Bloomberg saying, We're working on this. We think it's very important. It's uh, autonomous driving. It's really nice. And, you know, it's the most difficult project we ever worked on. And, uh, and I was left after reading the article, I was left like asking, So what? <laughs> like, what's next? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know, like, okay, sure. Uh, sounds fun. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I guess we. They just want us to wait and keep this in mind for whatever reason. All right, today's show is brought to you in part by Encapsula, the multifunction content delivery network that boosts the performance of your website, protects it from denial of service attacks, and secures it from bad guys whilst ensuring high availability. Over 100,000 organizations trust Encapsula every single day. From small companies to Fortune 500 companies, it doesn't matter who you are, Encapsula can help protect you. They understand and this is what they do. They, they stop criminals that use these giant botnets that try and scrape your website content. They stop all of this. People that are trying to bring, break into databases, bring down sites of denial of service attacks. Encapsula's network holds 3 terabits per second of on-demand scrubbing capacity, which can process 30 billion attacks per second. This is why Encapsula's network has successfully defended some of the largest website attacks on record for some small and large companies. It doesn't matter what size company you are, you have access to this incredible network that can help you protect from the, get be protected from all these attacks and also load your site 
incredibly fast. Your visitors won't even know that something bad was happening if you were under some kind of attack. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. Just go to encapsula.com slash connected. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A dot com slash connected. This is where you can find out more about Encapsula service and claim your free month. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM. So it is now time for the WWDC part of the follow-up. And we are going to st- start with the HomePod. We had a, a couple of listener questions I thought were worth addressing. Listener Brett asks, can Apple TV send its audio to a HomePod? Seems like it should. Uh, so I guess the thought is like comparing it to a sound bar, right? So Sonos mm. and all these other companies have sound bars you can hook up to your television. And if the HomePod sounds as, as good as Apple says it does, you can kind of see a world, right? You have an Apple TV and you have a HomePod on either side of the screen working in stereo because if you have more than one they can work in stereo together uh, it's unclear at this point i believe what the relationship is between an apple tv and the HomePod. i would i would think airplay 2 could maybe be a part of this but again and i watched the session this week on airplay 2 it's super hand wavy about what it can do and where it works and what it does so i think it'd be nice if, if a home pod or a set of them could work as a sound bar, but I think I think to Brett's uh, sadness, we just don't know enough at this point to, to say yes or no. Listener uh, Damien asked, I was looking uh, at getting an Echo, but was waiting to see what Apple offered. By showing it in June, Apple has kept me from exploring something else. So mm. we were speaking about, you know, why did they announce this thing so early if developers aren't working on it? And this, I think, is a pretty obvious answer that I don't think any of us thought of, at least when we were recording last week. But it, it's sort of to potentially, you know, Osborne affect other products, right? To, to say, yeah. you know, I was looking, or like, you know, what the Google Home did to Federico. I was looking at getting this other product, but now I'm going to wait. Now I'm going to do this instead. And that's that's a very real thing. And if this isn't shipping until December, then Apple can curb the conversation and curb other product choices for the holiday season, right? This thing isn't, I mean, unless they move it up, I believe Apple said December, it's not going to be ready to buy for the holiday season. It's going to be ready right at the end of the year. And that sort of, you know, November timeframe, beginning in December is an important shopping period. And so if, even if Apple's not out yet, if they have said, hey, this is coming, then that may encourage consumers to put off another purchase and to wait and spend that money at an Apple store as opposed to on Amazon's website, for example. What, what do you guys think about? It? Do you think that's a you think that's a thing? Like, do you think people think that way, or is it is it just sort of a mm. a marketing ploy yeah. we can like retrofit into a conversation? No, I, I think so. You know, the point of like that Apple showed this so early, and now I'm already thinking about not buying other companies' products. I see this all the time, especially with my friends when they when they even just hear the first wave of rumors about new Apple updates. So like, uh, I had a friend in December and he heard that the MacBook Pros uh, were going to be updated, I think, uh, in uh, June at WWDC. And basically it was like, maybe I should actually wait until six more months. You know, what is after seven years in Windows hell, what what is six months at this point? <laughs> and so... I definitely think it's a way that, you know, especially when, you, when you're buying these expensive products, it's not like you're buying, you know, a $5 ice cream or whatever. 
uh, you're spending a lot of, you know, good actual money on these speakers and laptops and phones. So it's it definitely makes sense to me that by pre-announcing, you're at least putting the thought into someone's mind of, you know, maybe I should actually just be patient and wait and, and see what happens. But then there's people like us who have a serious problem and we just buy everything, especially you, Stephen. Stephen is the new mic. Stephen is buying everything. Yeah, Just yeah, because yeah. I live in the States. It's not my fault. It's yeah, only available yeah, here. Yeah, that's a, just an excuse. Hey, don't worry. I got you covered later on. <laughs> I'll, I'll be back to being the new mic again. Don't worry. Mike okay. wins this conversation today. Okay. Yeah, I think it does, actually. Yeah, <laughs> You just give it a little bit of time. Um, I, I wonder about this. Like, I feel like the, the effect occurs, right? That The effect that people are like, oh, maybe I'll wait. But with the HomePod, I, I don't know if that was an intention from Apple's side. It may well have been. But I, I think that it's kind of just like a... Um, it is a happy accident, which they have had uh, based on what uh, everything else that they were trying to do. Right, like We spoke about it already. We feel that, that Apple showed off the HomePod because people believed they had to, right? If they didn't show this off on a stage last week, all so many of the headlines would have been, Apple misses the boat on X, right? Like Because right, they didn't sure. have any product to show. And I think just a happy accident of this is now that people will maybe not buy Sonos's or um, Amazon Echoes or Google Homes because they're waiting for the product that may integrate with the rest of their ecosystem. Yeah, it's a good point. So I, I don't think my opinion on the HomePod has really changed from last week. Uh, I'm not sure I want to switch to Apple Music. I'm not sure there's a place for this in my household, but uh, I look forward to revisiting that once we have some more information. And I think, you know, I think like Brett's point about like a sound bar, like how do these things integrate with each other? Just a lot of unknowns right now. And Apple will will slowly uh, show us more as, as the year goes on. Switching gears to watchOS we spoke last week about the honeycomb of apps and there had been a tweet sent out by somebody and I couldn't find it for the notes. So uh, forgive me if you are the, the person who tweeted it, that a user could set an alphabetical list instead of the honeycomb. turns out that is an option. You can do either one. I think there are pros and cons to both the honeycomb. It, for me, at least I can never remember where anything is and too many icons, especially Apple's first party ones all look the same to me. It's, it's, I never know what I'm doing, so I definitely... Everything clock-related. They're all orange, oh, and they all have yeah. different clock faces. Yeah, what do they mean? So I'm looking forward to at least trying this. I don't visit this screen very often, and I keep very few apps on my watch, so yep. I think the list may be for me. I think it makes... I've been thinking about this. I was, I was talking to Jason about this on Upgrade. Neither of these are good, right? But... As I, if you go to that screen, I never remember where anything is. At least if they're alphabetical, they're in a defined order. Mm, yeah, I mean, sure. Do you remember, Federico, where the apps are on your Honeycomb screen? Maybe two or three of them, right. really. That's what I mean, right? Those apps are probably in your dock, though. Yeah, I, oh, I don't use the, I don't use the Honeycomb at all. Uh, I just think uh, I'm not sure either is a great solution. No, really. neither of them are good, right? But it's yeah. just how bad, like what bad option is best for you, I think is, is the question. I'll go on the record and say I really don't understand whether switching the, the dock on WatchOS 4 to a vertical scrolling list of apps. We, it just feels... We, we, we went over this. this. 
I, I, I the keep... crown scrolls up and down, Federico. It does. It, it doesn't no, look. No, it doesn't look as good as WatchOS three well, with the horizontal it dock. It looks just as bad as the Safari tab picker. People who use a vertical dock anywhere are in profound disagreement with my world worldview. Like. Use a vertical dock on the Mac, or on, now you like the WatchOS oh, one. Federico. When is a Federico. when is a side dock coming to iOS? When is that going to happen? Uh, I don't know. If oh. you if you if you ask some people, it might as well happen. Um, I use dock on the side. Those people are monsters. No, like no. a, dock, a dock. Oh, is horizontal. A dock is horizontal. <laughs> I quit. I quit the show. Federico, you have no idea what you've just opened yourself up to. <laughs> now, this is on you, right? Like, I oh, yeah. I am distancing oh, yeah. myself from this conversation. <laughs> I would like to be uh, taken out of the narrative here. Federico has some serious concerns, what? and I, I don't want to what? deal with them. They're not for me. Okay, so. Here, here's, what, here's how I want to wrap that up. Mm. Dear listener, if you are a Mac user and your doc is on the side... Please tweet a picture of it to at Vitici. That's a good idea. ISMH also. ISMH no, also. No, mine's on the side. The it's been <laughs> that it's been that way as long as I've used a Mac because that's where it belongs. I'm a side dog too. Moving on. We're gonna talk about Apple Care for Macs. I know people are really excited about this, but I got two emails asking about it. So I'm justifying this uh, tangent that neither of you care about. Uh, I'm I'm doing it for the listeners. This is one of those one of those announcements that Apple just sort of slipped in, right? So AWC or the fall event or really anytime the store goes down, Apple like always changes little things and people sort through it later. Uh, a big change if you're a Mac user is Apple Care Plus. So that name should be familiar to you if you're an iPhone or an iPad user. You can buy Apple Care Plus and it gives you limited coverage for damage. So if you shatter the screen on your phone, you still have to pay to have it repaired, but it's like a $99 fee or something. You know, you're not charged the whole hundreds of dollars um, for what the repair actually cost. The The problem is that's always been limited to iOS devices, and now it is coming to the Mac uh, in the form of AppleCare Plus. So it's it changes a few things about the old AppleCare system. It used to be that you had a year to purchase AppleCare. If you want AppleCare Plus, you have to do it within 60 days, and you have to prove that your device is not damaged. So you have to go to an Apple store, or if you buy it on the phone, Apple has like a remote diagnostic they can run and see if it's damaged somehow. This is great for notebook users. Uh, having a, a MacBook that gets water in it, or you know, you break a screen or something, that can be very expensive. Just ask uh, Casey Liss, or really anyone who's ever done it. And it, it adds up. And so this, I think, is a really nice alternative if you are accident prone, best I can tell, it it's it basically starts you know last week and then and then moves forward. So I have a MacBook Pro with Touch Bar that I bought months ago. I cannot buy Apple Care Plus for that, is my understanding, because it, it's past the sixty days. I can still get regular Apple Care for it, and I probably will because I'm going to have this laptop for a long time, and it's super expensive to do anything in it. So. People go back and forth on whether a warranty is worth it on a Mac. Jason Snell, I know when he hears this, is going to disagree with me because I don't think he ever does it. Uh, I generally do it on Macs because I just know how expensive they can be to work on. And I've had hardware failures, so I do it. And you know, maybe it's money that I could spend better otherwise, but 
if I sell a Mac, it helps the resale value. And if I have a repair, then it makes that cheaper. And if I never have a repair and I keep it for the three years, then yes, it's money I spent that I didn't need to. But for me, it's um, it's a a fee you know that I'm willing to pay for the ease of mind that that it that comes with it. So if you have a notebook and you buy or you buy a new notebook or you buy one for your kid or something, I would definitely look at this. If anything, just for the the accidental damage. So that's super exciting. Uh, finally, and this is in this uh, edition of follow-up because I was it was requested by my children to put it in. Oh, this is the best follow-up ever. They bought me a fish when I was at WWDC. Uh, they bought me a, a beta fish. His name is Waz. He's, he sits here next on my desk now. He's in a little aquarium. He's mm-hmm. red and blue. And they asked me to talk about it on a podcast, so now I have. And oh. he's adorable. And they'll be uh, I'll put a picture of him in the show notes because he's just here uh, watching me podcast. He he has a lot of thoughts on the Apple TV remote. Turns out fish fish really hate the Siri remote. But huh. yeah. I guess it's really hard to operate with their fins, right? I guess that's the problem. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. interesting. He's interesting. a good boy. He's a good boy. He's a, all, all, oh, all animals oh, are good boys. They're, they're all good boys. Yeah. They're all good boys. All girls. That's right. Yes, yeah, of course. A piece of unrelated news that just broke that I just thought might be worth just popping in here. Um, The Verizon-Yahoo deal closed this morning, and uh, Marissa Meyer has posted on Tumblr her goodbye (laughs) to the company. Whoa. So that's that. What a really weird set of circumstances that ended up being. So now Verizon owns Yahoo!, so I guess Tumblr as well and everything mm-hmm. else related to it is now owned by Verizon. And Flickr. Marissa is, 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 is it seems like she's gone. Yeah, wow. so now if you have a Verizon contract, you'll be able to back up your photos for free to Flickr, uh, to Flickr I guess. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you know, what is net neutrality after all? Oh, well. Oh. Fun times in, um, in, in the US, as always. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Use the offer code WORLD at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create that website that you have for the next project that you want to launch. With a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more, they've got you covered. And talk about having you covered 24-7 customer support. Squarespace offer this. If you need any help with anything, they will be on hand to give you the support and the guidance and assistance that you need. We spoke earlier on about the fact that we were going to be selling stickers. We do all of this for Squarespace because they have a fantastic online store functionality that we have built into the Squarespace site that we run at Relay FM, which also includes our blog as well. They do this stuff better than anybody else. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. They've got it all taken care of, so why wouldn't we use them? You don't have to worry about any of this stuff with Squarespace. With their beautiful templates, they're easy-to-use system, their drag-and-drop interface, you can customize things to your heart's content without having to dig deep into the code. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. You can start a trial today with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com. Once you've got a feel for it and you want to sign up, use the offer code WORLD at checkout. You'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Connected. Thank you to Squarespace for the continued support of this show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Look at was the fish there. Yeah. He's a, he's a cool yeah. dude. He's in the show notes. So uh, the 10.5-inch iPad Pro is out. They're shipping to people. My Twitter timeline today has been full of people unboxing their new iPads. Federico, you got to review it. Um, and mm-hmm. like great review. I love the photos. Really 
a really great job. So tell us a little bit about how you feel about this new this new iPad. Well, I think the form factor feels really, really nice. And, you know, after two years of the 12.9, I was really missing the... Being able to hold an iPad with one hand and, you know, it's so light in, in a, you know, it's over 200 grams. I'm not sure what, you know, what, what it means in pounds, but it's so much lighter than the, than the big one. And I feel like, um, you know, the first, the first time I, I tried it last week, um, the screen felt immediately incredible uh, and almost to the point of feeling sort of fake, like... Coming from years of you know uh, sixty hertz and and you know the the choppy slow scrolling in Safari, just moving across home screen pages and and loading Mac stories and scrolling through my homepage on the new one, it felt so crisp, so smooth. Uh, it lo- almost looked like one of those you know when when in the movies they show people using computers, but they don't you know, they can't or they don't want to show the actual interface. So they sort of slap some CGI on top of a screen and it looks so fake. That was my impression. Like, um, I know I'm physically touching the screen and I know it it is me that is responsible for swiping, but it doesn't look like I'm actually swiping. It looks fake. Uh, And that's the, you know, the deal with ProMotion and the new 120 hertz display. Um, It felt felt so nice. And... uh, in terms of actually working from the small iPad, um, of, of course, from a multitasking point of view, it's no, it's difficult for me to prefer this one over the big one, and uh, it's the reason why I ended up also buying the twelve point nine, the new one today, just because for multitasking and doing research and switching between lots of apps, especially when I put together, uh, you know, articles and and the newsletter, I just feel like the big one is the one for work. But for everything else, just walking around the house with this one and, and reading in bed. I was watching E3 last night, uh, the, the live stream, and I was holding my iPad. And, uh, you know, my wrists weren't actually hurting after 30 minutes. That feels very nice. So I should say that, you know, Mike sometimes has some, has some uh, let's, how can I say this, controversial ideas. Uh, but when it comes to when it when it when it comes to switching between multiple iPads, it's not too far off. See, and multi-pad lifestyle. No, no, don't brag. I mean, I'm trying to keep it cool. Don't All right, okay, go, cool, cool, don't... cool, cool. Uh, chill, chill, chill. Yes, great, great, man. It's cool. <laughs> so yes, it feels very nice. The smaller bezels are super awesome. Yep. Uh, when you're holding the iPad in portrait, it feels like they sort of disappear into your hands. Uh, so yeah, another thumbs up. I mean, there's there's nothing really bad about this iPad. In fact, everything's better. It's nicer, better, and faster. And you know what more could you want from an upgrade if not this? I mean, it doesn't officially run iOS 11, so maybe that's the only downside for now. Yeah. The screen on the 12.9 is bonkers, bonkers, <laughs> yeah. bonkersness. It's I don't have the words for it. It's so. Good. I have waited and waited so patiently for True Tone on my mm-hmm. large iPad, and now I have it, and it's got the 120 hertz stuff. Like, it is fantastic. I am very happy yep. with it. I do have a slight problem right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I bought both iPads this morning um, because oh. I just wanted to, to do that. i got to update them both because that's how I roll. Um, multi-pad mm-hmm. lifestyle, that's what it dictates. 
and uh, I put the betas on both of them, and I don't think the beta's running very well on the 12.9 right now. Uh, I put an app in a folder today, the springboard crashed, and my iPad is currently in a reboot loop, so I'm downloading mm-hmm. 10.3 to, to restore it. Um, I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to leave, so my plan now is, is uh, I think it's going to work out this way, I'm going to keep running uh, 10 on the large iPad, because that's going to that's gonna replace the, the previous 12.9 now, so I'm going to be using the, the new one, um, and I'm going to keep the 10.5 running the beta as a, as a beta test machine. Um, and continuing to be incredibly confused between switching modes of multitasking. Uh, if you're using <laughs> yeah. both of those simultaneously, it will destroy everything that you think you know about how to use a computer. Um, I like both of them. I like the, I do like the new method more, but it, it takes a bit of getting used to because it's brand new. And if you're switching between them, it's almost impossible to remember what things do and how it all works. But um, I will put the beta back on the 12.9 once it's in a little bit more of a stable state. Um, it just, mm-hmm. as well as as well as just completely dying, uh, it was also a little bit buggy in ways that the ten five is not. The ten five feels way smoother, and the twelve nine was just a little bit unsure about everything I was doing. Is how it felt to me. Mm. Something I wanted to tell you, Mike. We were actually talking about how far fetched this idea was a, a few days ago, in person. Yeah. I think I was I was looking into your eyes. It was really romantic mm-hmm. in a way, oh, uh, as we were discussing iOS ideas. Anyway, you know, you said, wouldn't it be nice if uh, there was a way, if you own multiple iPads, to sync your home screen? Yep. And we ended up concluding, well, that's just crazy. It's never going to happen. Well, it seems like in the next version of tvOS, if you own multiple Apple TVs, which is apparently a thing that some people do, I guess, for schools and offices, it makes sense you can sync your home screen. I really would love this. That's cool. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's it's more complicated on iOS, sure, but at least we have some precedent now. And, you know, Apple is doing it on the Apple TV, so why not on the iPad too? There's, there's people who use multiple iPads. Just let me sync my home screen yeah. and my data. I feel like Apple should embrace the multi-pad lifestyle as a thing, as a way to help boost iPad numbers. <laughs> So, sure. so Mike, you you feel that the the ten point five is unable to replace the twelve nine? You're still gonna ha- you still want the bigger one? Oh, it can't. It's the software. So, what we were hoping, what we were wishing, what the math all told us would happen is that we would get the twelve point nine and a ten point five body from a software perspective. But that hasn't changed. It's the same as the nine point seven. Um, you know, the, the apps that are running side by side, they're not full full size iPad apps. They are, you know somewhere in between an iPhone app and, a, and an iPad app. Like, it's, it's not enough. I, I, I need more resolution. I need more space on the screen to be able to get all my work done. So I'm going to be sticking as I was using, as I've said before, like the, the 12.9-inch iPad, think of it like my iMac, and the 9.7, think of it like a MacBook. That's how I use the devices. One stays in the home, one leaves me leaves the home with me. So I'm going to continue doing that. Um, I really like the 10.5. I think it's a great device. I feel like they've really found a good way to to make it bigger without destroying the things that we like about the smaller iPad, right? Like it's still light. It's still easy to move around. It's still nice and thin, um, but it's got a little bit more space on the screen, bigger keyboard. Uh, the smart keyboard is bigger and nicer as well. Um, I really like the new 10.5 uh, smart keyboard. I like that I could buy it in the British layout straight away, but the, the 12.9 is, is where I'm going to be 
continuing to put the majority of my time into uh, as my as my main computer. Yeah, I saw a lot of 12.9s at WBDC, and a lot of people carry them. And you know, I had one, and ultimately ended up on the 9.7 Pro for all the reasons you just said, right? The portability, the weight, etc. The the 10.5 because it's it's just a little bit bigger. I think it's going to feel fundamentally like the 9.7. I ordered one. It's coming today. I'm excited to get it. My hope is that iOS 11 with files and multitasking, all this stuff, uh, will fix my workflow problems with the iPad, which I've talked about at length on the show. I'm not going to rehash them. Mm -hmm. But iOS 11 stands to address a lot of them. My thought is that on this 10.5 with iOS 11, if I can... If I see a big boost in my productivity on the iPad, then you know maybe in the future I would reevaluate and look at the twelve nine. But I'm excited by the ten point five. It seems like a like a really nice device. Seems like a you know I like the size of the nine seven, like the portability of it. So I'm excited to try it. I'm excited to get iOS eleven on it. I'm not going to run the beta anytime soon. I'll do it some point later in the summer. But uh, I'm um, I'm pretty uh, pretty great. Pretty excited about it. I, uh, I I was in the store today and I saw that the Logitech Slim Combo was available. Yeah. So this is Logitech's kind of new keyboard case. And I was like, okay, let's see what you got. So I picked up the Logitech Slim Combo thing because I really liked the Create keyboard, right? The Create keyboard was really good and I was very happy with that on the small iPad. So I thought that I would I would give this one a go too. Uh, I don't like it in any way. It is so much <laughs> bulkier than the Create. The case portion is really? super... Really? Oh, it's so much bulkier. How? How the is case, that even possible? All right, so I expect the case is thicker. The edge is way too high. So the edge of the case kind of like sticks up around the iPad. So when you hold it, like you can't comfortably put your hand back onto the iPad again because the case kind of gets in the way. It's thicker because it has the kickstand built into it. And it has to have all this like these hinges and stuff for the kickstand. So the kickstand is the only good thing because it's adjustable. It can be positioned at various viewing angles. I really like that. But the case that it's attached to sucks. And it gets worse because the connection between the keyboard and the case, right, it's used as a smart connector and you can just take it off. That's the only thing that connects it. And it's just this soft material which the smart connector is attached to. So it goes from hard plastic to like a fabric and then to a hard plastic, which is the the smart, the, uh, what is it called? The smart connector connector. So... Mm. It doesn't connect straight on, so it can still be open and closed, so it has this material that runs in between it. But what this means is when you put it on your lap, the keyboard and the iPad can be totally different angles. So, like, they're wonky when they sit on your lap because there's no rigidity to hold the frame. So, like, you could have the keyboard, like, tilting off to the left and the iPad tilting off to the right because it's not, it's not, it's, there's no rigidity to it because, like, on the Create, it's all one piece, right? So, it, like, it keeps its shape. There's a wrist rest on the keyboard, which I don't need. So the keys are way too far back. Like, they're closer to the screen because the, uh, because the whole thing is bigger, right? And, and I don't like it. There's too much space between the edge of the keyboard and the keys for me. You can't fold the keyboard around to the back because if you do, the keyboard just pops off. 
So you either have the keyboard on or you have it off. So if you want to read something with this, you have to take the keyboard off and find somewhere to put it down. It's so bad. Like everything I liked about the Create, it has done the absolute opposite of all of the things. Every single thing I liked about it, it's the opposite. I am not going to, I'm returning it. It's terrible. They actually managed to make the create even worse. They made it, what? Well, okay, the, the previous it, create it, for the 9.7 is very good. It's very good. The original create for the 12.9 sucked. They made it way better, and mm. now they've just done away with that and created something else. I don't know why they're calling it the slim combo, because it is bulkier. It's not, really slim. It's not slim at all. It's huge. Like I, I haven't done like measurements, but it feels worse. It feels heavier. It feels bulkier. I really, really don't like it. I, I do not like it at all. I, I cannot, I cannot recommend this in in any way. It is not. It is not a nice product. Like I, it, and their their photos are like, they do not. They do not accurately show a lot of this. Like the way that the lip of the case kind of sticks over the side, you can kind of see it if you scroll right down to the bottom. They kind of have like uh, images where you can see different angles on their website, and you can kind of see the fact that like there are just these huge plastic like lip lip lips or something that I don't know what you call them, like edges that go all the way over. Like mm, not good. It's really, really not good. You want to look at the 10.5 one and you'll see more of what I mean. The 12.9 case actually looks better because you've like fold the keyboard under itself, but the 10.5 is is an abomination. So funnily enough, it seems like they've done the exact inverse. So the Create was really good for the 10.5 and not for the 12.9, and it looks like that this one is better for the 12.9 and not for the 10.5. I don't know, what, I don't know what's going on, going, on, going on over there in Logitech. Once again, I'm still looking for my perfect uh, integrated iPad Pro keyboard stand case solution. And I'm using the Canopy from the StudioNet folks uh, with an Apple Magic keyboard. And I love the setup, but I would love to have an Apple Magic keyboard that is backlit, that somehow works with the Canopy, or that, I don't know, like a new product that has the same switches that Apple is using because I actually love the Magic Keyboard is backlit and can be used on a desk and on my lap when I'm working in the car. Um, All the previous solutions that I've tried, Smart Keyboard, the Razer Keyboard, which eventually actually broke, uh, the Canopy with the Magic Keyboard, they all excel at one thing, but they lack all the aspects together that I want. So... Maybe we should just do a Kickstarter for the Tichy keyboard and, you know, make lots of money uh, from Kickstarter because that's what Apple with ideas do these days, I think. Do people still do Kickstarters? I think they do. Yeah, what's ever gone wrong with a hardware Kickstarter? Right, right. They've never failed. Yeah, Yeah. so let's just do it. I'm going to quit podcasting and make keyboards on Kickstarter. Does that work for you guys? Yeah. Uh, Good luck. (laughs) Thanks for the encouragement, Mike. Nice knowing you. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at StoryWorth. I want to set the scene a little bit for this one. I want you to think for a moment about some family gatherings, you know, the kinds of ones where you're all sat around and you're sharing stories about funny and and good things that have happened in your life together or individually. These are the kinds of stories that you would love to be able to keep. And this episode of Connected is brought to you by StoryWorth to do just that. They are the easiest way to share your family stories. StoryWorth makes it easy and enjoyable for your loved ones to share their life stories with weekly email prompts 
and questions that you might not think to ask. Then at the end of the year, they'll get their stories bound into a beautiful hardcover book. It's sleek with a black and white interior, color cover, and up to 480 pages in length. This means that you'll be able to hold on to memories and pass them on to future generations as well. Let me tell you a little bit about how StoryWorth works. You buy a subscription for somebody that's important to you, and each week they will send an email of a question about their life. Or you can set it up in the app as well. They have a StoryWorth app, and you get a push notification. Then the person that is receiving the stories can email them back or can even record them over the phone. You can actually call them and and leave the message, and then they'll turn it into the story. Then after a year, they'll be bound into a beautiful book for you to keep, for them to keep, wherever you want to do that. It's a great gift. It's a great way to learn more about someone as well because these questions are designed to evoke entertaining, surprising, and moving responses. You can write stories and upload photos by email, on the web, or in their app. You can share them with as many people as you want. You just invite them all by email, and then you can save and edit all of your stories at storyworth.com. All of your data is secure, and everything is private by default. You get to control who sees your stories. I have been getting the prompts, and they're really interesting prompts, like asking me things like about what types of vacations I used to take as a kid and stuff like that. And, and StoryWorth, whilst I've, because I've been trying it myself, because you can do it yourself as well if you want to collect your own memories or you can do it with a loved one, as they say. Um, but it's, it's just a really interesting way to have somebody ask you questions that maybe you don't get asked that much. And this is a really nice idea. It's a really nice gift, which is good because Father's Day is coming up. So it could be the perfect gift for somebody in your life right now. But it's also just a great last minute gift for anything like birthdays, anniversaries, whatever it is. StoryWorth is perfect for the people that you care about. Listeners of this show can get $20 off their subscription by going to storyworth.com slash connected. That's $20 off when you go to story storyworth.com slash connected storyworth a new way to bring the family together thank you to storyworth for their support of this show all right so planet of the apps is out now Mm. so this is something that we've spoken about a bunch and me and steven have watched it to talk Mm -hmm. about today and federico we're going to tell you about planet of the apps so I, I will be I will be your I will be the the prototype listener yeah. who hasn't watched Planet of the Apps and needs to be convinced of the idea or not. So go for it. Okay. So Stephen, how do you want to start this by just saying up front what we think about the show, or do you want to save that to the end? Yeah, I think we get it out of the way now, uh, and we're gonna have some spoilers in this. I don't really care about the spoiler horn, but we're gonna. We're going to talk some, about some plot points for episode yeah. one. If you haven't seen it and you still want to see it, then maybe don't listen. But let you know. But we are going to tell you what it's like, so it might be useful. I mean, to be honest, yeah. any spoiler we give, it doesn't like ruin the show. You still no. get the same out of it. <laughs> the, the big no. question is, does the guy get the money at the end? I feel like that's right. the only spoiler that, that is yeah, worth. Yeah, we won't answer that. Um, <laughs> okay. I will start my opening statement by saying that I know TV like this is extremely popular or they wouldn't make it. That there's lots of shows like this where you follow real people and you watch their dreams rise and then sometimes crushed. That TV was not for me before Planet of the Apps and Planet of the Apps did nothing to change my opinion on this type of television. So if this show had not been by Apple, if it had been on regular television and I was somewhere when it was on, I would not watch it. Planet of the Apps didn't do anything to change that. I think that in this genre, Planet of the Apps does some interesting things, but overall, I'm not a fan, and I will not be watching another episode. I only watched this episode to talk about it on the show, 
Uh, it's not for me. I think there's a lot of weird stuff in it, but I don't like the genre on the whole. So it's difficult for me to like draw those lines, right? Like what I don't like about the genre versus what I don't like about the show. But there's definitely some weird stuff about the show in particular that I think is worth talking about. But overall, uh, not going to keep watching. I think I will. Mm. Um, it was exactly what I expected the show to be and I guess hoped it would be in that it is this mix of Shark Tank slash Dragon's Den with The Voice. Like That is what they have made. It is exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, they didn't do the regular trope that I see in in um, reality TV of like telling these heartbreaking stories about the struggles of the app developers. Like it didn't do any of that. It touched on it a little, and we're gonna with one person that we're actually gonna talk about this in a moment. But it doesn't really dwell on it too much, so there isn't any of that stuff that kind of distracts you from what's going on. Um, it was cheesy. But the subject matter is something that's of interest to me, apps and stuff like that, but also creating businesses. And there was an element of that in the show. So it's not the best TV I've ever seen. But, you know, when we were talking about this, you know, both me and Federico were talking about the types of reality TV that we can stand. And for me, this is part mm-hmm. of that. Like, it falls within that. Like, this is the type of reality TV that, that I can watch. And when I was watching the show, I found myself interested and engaged by it i i watch a lot of stupid tv not because i'm a fan necessarily but for two reasons one stupid tv makes for some really fun times with friends so we usually have a friend she's really into this kind of (laughs) crappy television experiences and she comes over for dinner and we basically we laugh about how terrible this is and we are we have lots of fun because you know it's it's hard to have fun watching you know a political debate it's much more fun to make fun of other people on tv like the big brother or you know this kind of stupid tv shows not stupid in the sense that those people are stupid because it's their job it just mm-hmm. it lets you turn your brain off and there's not much to think about it's just it's comfort television really and second, it goes back to the first point. Sometimes I just want—I just want to not think about, uh, you know, all the things. I just want to put on a stupid movie and shut my brain off, and you know, just watch it without ever thinking about bigger themes or bigger ideas or watching like those movies with a really deep story. There's a place for that, but I feel like at the end of the day. Sometimes I just wanna I just wanna crash and watch something stupid on TV. So that that is the reason why right now I'm inclined to watch Planet of the Apps. But please continue. I think that you might like it, Federica, because it is very mm-hmm. simple watching, honestly. Um, yeah, yeah. So there is one. This Planet of the Apps made the news uh, over the last week not because of the content of the show itself, but because of something around it. So there was a Twitter ad which was focusing on one of the uh, contestants whose name was Andrew Commendo. He was working on an app called Pear, which actually I think got the majority of focus in the episode. And there was one point where he was uh, he was kind of doing some vlogging, which was interesting to see in the show. There's a lot of different types of uh, direction and camera stuff in the show, but he's kind of like doing some some stuff where he's walking through an airport and he's talking about the fact that he hasn't seen his kids for a while but he's working really hard like he, this is the thing that he wants to do you know he's mm. talking about the fact that 
he is going down this road and giving it everything he's got, right? However, there was a, a Twitter ad, uh, which I assume Apple bought or the production company bought. So, you know, somebody has, has purchased this Twitter ad, which just says, I rarely get to see my kids. That's a risk you have to take. Oh, yeah. Which is something that I believe that he says in the show, but out of context, out of complete context, it sounds like a badge of honor from the guy, yeah, right? Yeah. But, yeah. But I feel like when he was saying it in the show, it didn't sound the same way as when you just see it written down with a guy smiling next to it. Like it yeah. felt like he was like he had remorse for the fact that he was doing it. He talks about his kids, but kind of talks about it I felt in the light of like he really believed in his idea and he was making a sacrifice. Now, I'm not saying that people should do that, but it was different in the show to how it looks as this, like, just this quote next to a dude. And it looks like he's telling you that you have to do this as opposed to it being a consequence of the life that he chose. Mm-hmm. Would you agree, Stephen? Yeah. I mean, in the show, like, you definitely... I definitely felt bad for the guy and I disagreed with a lot of his decision-making. Uh, I mean, like, you and I have a, well, so have a sort of startup and, like, we see our families. But I agree with you. And as a standalone ad, it was in, it was a really... Poor judgment, but in the show I didn't feel like it was as bad. But uh, but yeah, it was it definitely was like whoever bought that ad should have run it by somebody. Mm-hmm. But um, and I think it's a little unfair to judge the show on that ad. Like that's not like to, to balance that guy. The the other app that's really the the focus of the of it is called Companion, and it was like two friends who met in college and who worked on this app in college and have continued to work on it after school and like their relationship seems really good and like healthy and so it's not all people working you know 24 hours a day so i think even in the show they did a good job at balancing that out a little bit yeah but but yeah as a standalone ad i agree with you it wasn't wasn't super great um i think it's important to talk about how the show works yep so there the there's kind of like three phases to the the life cycle of an app in the show you have the pitch which is what People were mocking when they first uh, showed it, where you were riding an escalator down to the uh, the judges, uh, and you have sixty seconds. And so, if it's just you, you talk on the way downstairs. Uh, a couple of the businesses obviously had partners, and they took turns talking. and And everyone on the show, like they're, they said they spent time on. You know, it was well polished, well done. Like they know what they're going to say. They've, they've clearly practiced this pitch over and over. And by the time you reach the bottom of the of the escalator, as a sentence I said just said seriously, you get uh, you get voted on by the the four advisors. And the the me- the the mechanism here is really funny. They vote on iPads, but they're like trying to like hide from the camera yeah. what they vote on. So yeah. they're like they have the iPad up like under their arm and like tapping a button underneath. Yeah. And apparently their whole screen turns red or green because on several shots you can see like the glow of the iPad like on their clothing so you know what they voted. Like the iPad mechanism here is really like awkward and I just kept thinking about it and noticing it. They're also swiping left and right as well which is funny. It's Tinder for startups really. Yeah, pretty much. I, I did actually like, I, I think that the execution of the escalator metaphor worked well. It worked as well as I expected it would. It added tension Right, there were people that were clearly cracking because of it, and like were speeding up towards the end. 
I think mm-hmm. it served the purpose of showing the time, right? I think that's what they were trying to do. And again, I know that an escalator pitch doesn't exist, but there's just no sensible way to do this in an elevator. Like, it just doesn't work. With the tools that they have and to create a standalone set with it, um, I actually think that the escalator metaphor worked really well. Like, it, it was a good way to see how long the pitch was continuing for. It added drama. I, I think that it worked. I wonder if if they, like, they were on the phone with the production company like, yeah, we're going to do an elevator pitch. And the guy was going through a tunnel. He's like, what? An escalator pitch? You sure you want an escalator? The guy's like, yeah, build an elevator. And they end up with an escalator <laughs> on set. And it was too late. So, so, so Mike, should we, we should probably talk about the advisors, right? Like, like who's on, who is here and what they do and why mm-hmm. they're important. Are they important? What do you think? Jessica Alba, Gwyneth Paltrow, Gary Vaynerchuk, Will I Am. I think everybody had an interesting showing throughout the entire episode. There are moments where each of them seem like they really know what they're talking about, and there are moments where each of them feel like they don't know what they're talking about. And I mm-hmm. think it was just because everyone's trying to have their say, but everybody has their skills. Like, I, I can't remember. I think it might have been the, in the Pair app, for example. No, I don't. It, one, on one of the apps, Jessica Alba's she's talking about things and it's like do you know what you're talking about but then in other ones she like super is on it right like she's having great ideas and throwing out great suggestions it was the same for uh gary vaynerchuk as well like there are things that they're talking about where it's like he knows what he's talking about right now like this is his wheelhouse but there are others where it's like "Mm, i think that you actually are just trying to say something for the sake of it right like it felt like that there were just moments where each of the, the, the advisors shine more than the others, but it feels like they all have to have their say or they're told that they all need to say something about every company, even if it doesn't yeah. fit within their skill set. And, and a couple of times to their credit, they say, you know, I don't think I, I would be helpful to you, right? Like, yeah. I don't feel like my skill set matches what you need. And I, I like that, like that that got, got left in. Um, so you write on the escalator, these advisors vote, on you, so their their names turn green or red in this very dramatic uh, giant iPad in the floor, basically uh-huh. like in a circle. And you, you know, they ask you questions. Um, but if you get if you get one green when you get to the bottom of the escalator, then you can you can continue your, your pitch. So you have a couple more minutes. You get to show them a demo, and then the advisors discuss amongst themselves and with you. You know, or or. Are we all out? Like there, I think there was one app where after the pitch, like the full pitch, they all backed out. And so then the, yeah. this person just had to go back to being a barista. This was and the then, Twist app, which was the worst one. And I'm so pleased that they really kept bad. it in. So it was an online dating app that was built for people to attend events. So you would look at the app, you'd find an event, you'd select the event you wanted to go to, and then there'd be a list of people that had also chosen they wanted to go to that event, and then you could like select the people, and then maybe you could talk to them and arrange to meet at this event, right? So I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk had said, yeah, like, okay, he was like the only person, right? And then immediately, Jessica Alba just like destroys the company, like just absolutely ruins them, with the idea that like, if you are a girl in this scenario, or a woman, and you have chosen to go to this event, people are going to see your picture, right? The men and women will see each other's picture. If you're like the one woman in a list of like 10 other guys, all those 10 guys know you're going to be at that event, whether you selected them or not. And she was like, so this, so she said, this one girl shows up, and then all these guys are just like 
trying to find her in the event because they know she's going to be there. And it's like, how can you not see that? And like, she just lays into them over and over again. And then eventually, like, everyone is like, nah, don't want nothing to do with this. This is terrible. Like, you've clearly not thought this thing through. And I think that, is it Gary Vaynerchuk? He says, it's just a bunch of dudes making something for dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty brutal. And it's like, yeah, you, you, you made a really good point. And I think Jessica Alba was like, why don't you try and employ a woman? So who can actually advise you on this? And it's it. The yeah. whole thing is really good, and I'm pleased they kept all of it in, um, because it, it shows it, it. That this was one of the things that showed like the varying levels of understanding amongst the, amongst the panel, but also you know is showing some kind of an idea of a systemic problem in app development in Silicon Valley, where more female voices are needed and thoughts are needed to be put into these applications before they're put out into the world. Because this app works well for men. It it clearly does not work well for women. So they did not get any money. So you, you pitch, you get either you get kicked out at this point or an advisor, you know, through a process you are, assigned an advisor so one of the four and then phase two is the founders working with that advisor and there's no at least in episode one there's no technology really involved in this phase so one of them the companion app which is like a basically an app to like promote safety amongst friends like hey i'm walking home the app will tell you when i get home etc they ran into a problem where like google basically released the same thing and uh, their advisor, Gary Vaynerchuk, is like freaking out about it and makes them do all this work and like call security companies and get partnerships. And it's more on the business side and not so much on the tech side. I mean, right, this show is not going to be about like, oh, your Swift doesn't compile. Hey, you need this bracket somewhere, right? Uh, but more of the human <laughs> and sort of, sort of the business side of it. And then, and then ultimately, the advisor and the founders go to meet with VCs. And so you go and ask for money from another panel of, of, I think, three or four people. And you either get funding at that point or you don't. So there's like multiple levels you kind of have to achieve uh, before receiving, uh, receiving money. But even if you don't make VC money, these apps are all in the app store. Uh, they are all... There's a, a, a Plan of the Apps feature page, which we can uh, dig up for the show notes. So you can go check them out. These are real apps. Uh, you can really like use them. Uh, they talk about their, you know, their sign-ups and their their user base and this sort of stuff. It's all real stuff, which is kind of nice, you know, as opposed to like sometimes of shows like this where it's all manufactured or it's not something like I as the audience member can interact with, like. My wife likes a lot of like home renovation shows that are kind of like this, right? Like human element, you know, sometimes fake drama, but like stuff, you know, but I can't like move into that house. But this, like, I could go download a companion and my family knows that I'm safe, you know, after a bike ride or something. So that part is really nice and I like that. But, you know, all in all, it's like it's it's reality TV and that's just not for me. I think that the show did a good job of showing the way that the companies progress, like the way that their pitches progress. There's this whole funny thing where the, this app pair is talking about AR and the fact that nobody can do it. And Gary Vaynerchuk just destroys the guy because he's like, you're wrong. People can do it. And it's so funny to see this guy talking about how great his VR technology is having now Apple released ARKit, which probably does an insane amount of the stuff that this guy can do. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. His whole his whole like technology stack just got replaced by a mm-hmm. SDK from Apple. And it's literally his his company ends in like you know his story ends in the idea of trying to sell his SDK. Yeah. Whoops. Good luck. And that was the guy who was like, uh, "I'm never going to see my kids again." Yeah, so, he's that guy. He'll, have, he'll have lots of time with them now. Yeah. The companion app, which was the one that had the nicest story, and it was the you know the wholesome app that that really kind of could do something. They they had they had a good end that I kind of liked, and I think they did a good. I think Gary Vaynerchuk really helped steer them through and like help push them in different directions that ultimately resulted in in them doing a good job at the end of the show. So mm-hmm. I think that the, the I mean, I think that the advisors actually do a good job, right? Like they, they show their worth, especially when it gets to that second stage, because it shows them in their environments being able to apply their skill set. Like Jessica Alba helps the pair app kind of move through their route and Gary Vaynerchuk helps the companion app kind of sail through some some choppy waters. I think that this is where they really shine when they're kind of out of the studio environment and they're in their environments. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you know, I think the show was pretty good. Like, I, I think it was, it was totally fine for what it's supposed to be. I think that it, the production values were pretty good. I think that it kind of nailed the points that it needed to. Um, I am interested in watching more of it. I think that forty-five minutes is a little bit long. Um, I, I feel like mm-hmm. that they should try and. I would like to see the episodes be a little bit shorter than that. Um, I was hoping it would be around the half hour mark, so maybe they just need less less pitches, you know. Um, and maybe they could stretch it out over a longer series of time by just showing two pitches instead of three for the, each episode and kind of following those through. Um, but but I I do think it's good, and I really like Gary Vaynerchuk, Stephen. I know you don't, but I really like him, and I think that he did a good job of being him, but not being like completely overboard. And I think that he again, I think more than anybody on the panel showed like his understanding of this type of technology, because I think that he probably has his hand in it way more than anybody else does. I think Will I Am was the most oh, yeah. disappointing of the entire show. He just sat there and. and... Yeah, he stared. He stared at people as they made bad pitches. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't really do anything, and I think it's it was obvious, right? Like he was always there as just kind of like a person who knows reality television. Um, again, I don't think people know this in the U.S., but The Voice, which was created in the U.K., Will I Am has been on The Voice panel for the entire time. So like he is, he understands how to do this type of reality TV. That's why he's there, I think. Um, but he actually added the least to the show overall. Yeah, and and you know I I do find Vanderchunk a, a little intense. He does say at one point, "I swear on my children's lives, if you don't do this, I won't take a meeting." Like that's a little intense. He is a very hyperbolic person, though, right? Like that's oh, just yeah. him. Sure. Oh yeah, but I you know I know it's no yeah. doubt out of the four, he has the most experience in this and like well earned success. Like I don't you know. I find him intense, but uh, it's hard to argue with his success. And I think like the the companion founders, they went in saying, we want to work with him. And I think out of the four, he has the most to offer, you know, most startups that come, come through this show. Yeah. If anything, just because he runs a huge marketing company now, right? Like that is as valuable as anything. What is he famous oh, yeah. for again? Gary Vaynerchuk, he created a company. Um, I can't remember the name. I think it's Wine Library. Then he made a video web a web video series called Wine Library TV, which became really popular because of his presentation style. To the point that he then created a video production company, I think, and now he runs a huge marketing company. Mm, I see. Because 
he became popular because of the way that he would market his product. Like that was what kind of brought him into the public eye. So he he's he's a marketing guy, right? That is what he is through and through. Wine Library yeah. TV. I don't like wine. I used to watch that show because it was so entertaining. So back in the old uh, Revision Three days with Dignation, shows like <laughs> that that was when I used to watch that. So yeah, I'm gonna keep watching it, Stephen. I assume you won't, Federico. I recommend that you do. Yeah, I think I will. Yeah, seems like something that I will enjoy. Yeah, this is not a categorically bad television show, in my opinion. No, it's just reality TV. No, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think if you like this sort of thing, then I think you would like the show. Um, uh, we, I think we skipped over it. We should say this is part of Apple Music, right? So mm-hmm. episode one was free to anyone in the iTunes store. So I just downloaded it on my iPad uh, yesterday. But I think moving forward, you have to be an Apple Music subscriber. And there's like an Apple Music tag at the beginning of it, uh, which, is you know, it's a little... Um, it's a little strange. I, I wonder if Apple had known they're going to be doing TV when they launched Apple Music, if they would have renamed it something else, or maybe there's a rebrand coming. But uh, it's it's part of that whole uh, that whole system, and I think that makes sense. Like as awkward as the naming is, I think it makes more sense to brand this Apple Music and have it for those paid subscribers, which they just announced last week. I think it's 27 million Apple Music subscribers, than just having an iTunes for sale, like. Apple Music is, is a more exciting brand, and the people there are going to be more engaged. So I think Apple's doing the right thing by putting it there, but it's just, it made some like awkward you know, language stuff uh, because it's TV and a music product. All right. If you want to find our show notes this week, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 146. Thanks to Encapsula, Squarespace, and StoryWorth for the support of this show. If you want to find Stephen online, he is at ISMH on Twitter, and he's writes over at 512pixels.net. Federico is at Vitici, B-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he writes at maxstories.net. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and the most I write is show notes, which you can always find at relay.fm. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.